and that's where I found out about the books, but have found out a lot of different things, that the book and the script were written at the same time. Yeah. That's why... Ninety nine, like I, I want to say seventy five to eighty five percent of what is in the book is in the movie. Yeah, it's um the movie very very closely follows the book. The only reason yeah. that some of the stuff that's in the book is not in the movie, um is probably because they just didn't have time to put everything in. Yeah. And I would imagine that, like, there's there's a lot of stuff in the... There are things in the book that focus on characters who aren't and sin, who were pretty much the main focus of, you know, the new movie. Because they're, of course, right. the, the characters. Exactly. And there were some parts that, you know, it's like, yeah, I would have loved to have seen it in the movie, but then actually I just finished re- re-listening to it today. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah, no, I, I like the surprise element of what happened, and we'll get into that later. Yeah. But there are a few things about The Last Jedi that I am going to spoil. Okay. Okay. And one of the things is the Porgs. Oh, the little creatures. Yes, the cute little creatures that everybody hates. That everybody thinks that, you know, Disney created these creatures just to sell merchandise. Well, actually, they didn't. The Porgs are actually an indigenous that happened to use the island that they used for Ak-2 as, you know, their mating, their mating and breeding grounds. And when they filmed The Last Jedi, said creatures were there. So it was either a thing of we either take these take these indigenous creatures, try to move them off the island, but they'll probably end up coming back because, you know, this is ingrained into them to come here to breed and have their young. Or we just change them and and work around them in the movie. So they just basically made the poor the sort of work around that they had. Yes. These little critters on the were invading their space. Yes. But it's like the movie people were there invading the little creature space. Yes. So. Technically, Disney actually did a good thing. They did the responsible thing by basically moving around these cre- around these creatures. And yes, I am going to tell you what they are. 
and it's going to make everybody who has ever said porgs are evil little creatures. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> well, it'll make you think about them in a different way. Yes. Um, and yes, I can say dumbass because I actually made it a PG-13 rating today. <laughs> So, <laughs> I can be a little vocal. You have been so, warned. Yes, you have been warned. It is PG-13, so it lettered on, on, on the episode. But, yeah, for all you people who have been just like, we hate porgs. Porgs are stupid. Porgs are dumb creatures. They're puppins. And puffins are adorable. They have a at the uh, the aquarium down in Baltimore. They're cute. They're adorable. And if you really look at the porgs, they actually did a really good. And what they did was they basically just CGI'd over the puffins the creature, and if you really look at them, they really did a really good job. Those were actually puffins living on that island. I thought they were just like a little CGI'd creature. Well, there are some CGI'd, some strictly CGI'd uh, porgs. Mm-hmm. Because you see one on the Millennium Falcon, well, you know, they're not going to be able to get one on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know, they're they're definitely not going to do that. But, I mean, they did, I think, a really good job in basically... Being respectful of the environment they were in, mm-hmm. okay, because they were basically there during the summer, which is the puffin breeding season, so it was kind of like, okay, we're kind of invading their territory here, so rather than get every single animal rights group group up in arms. This whole thing about moving the puffins off of their island, we're just going to make them into a a completely different creature. And that is not the only cute little animal that has been made into an alien creature on Star Wars for the uh for the last Jedi. So well, uh, a, a particular princess's dog decided to make his his cameo debut in the movie. Oh. (laughs) 
Carrie Fisher's dog is in The Last Jedi. I am not going to say what scene it is until you've either gone to the movie theater and seen the movie, or I have sent you the DVD Blu-ray that I get (laughs) to get you to watch it. Okay. (laughs) One of the two is going to happen. But there is going to be one one more spoiler about Return of the Jedi, but that actually does come up actually within the Force Awakens novelization. Mm-hmm. But it's not shown until The Last Jedi. Oh, okay, gotcha. Which is a little confusing to me. Especially after after having read it, or not having read it, listened to it because I have not read the book yet. I've listened to it twice. I have the graphic novel, which is like really super thin, and it's like it sucks. Really, it literally from one section to another without any, like, provocation as to why they're skipping over to that section. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more book-worthy. Not book-worthy, more movie-worthy. Mm-hmm. Actually, a combination of the bu- the book and the movie. Right at the end, as I just looked at the, the almost very end of the book. But it's, it's, before we get into anything else, do you want to pull the blind bag pony of the week? Sure. Okay, let me get my hand in here. That's pull a big one. Ooh. Okay. Oh, let's see, let's see, let's pull. An LP merch. So, but while I'm getting this open, how has your week been? Um, not too bad. Kind of uneventful, just sort of, you know, working the usual stuff. Oh, uh, basically, me. hanging out, finishing up the uh, the book and sort of laying in bed. Super exciting, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, come on. And you have to admit the ending of the book is actually really good. Yeah, it is. Except for one scene, which that scene 
the movie, but in the book, I think it really sucks. Actually, two scenes. I think in the book, in the book, suck and in the film are actually really good. Yeah, I think there were a couple things that translated better to being, you know, there are a couple things in the book that translated better to to film. Yeah. Oh, I got a boy. Ooh. And I ripped open the thing. I haven't even said what wave it's from yet. That's because I hadn't gotten to the website yet. Okay, let's see. Okay. It is from the U.S. Wave 20. And it is Don Nay. Hmm. And he's actually... And he actually goes with um, Percy Pink. Oh, cool. Because, remember, these guys actually, in this set, are actually uh, paired up together with other characters. Yeah, it was like a best friend set or something like that. Yeah. So he is a new character. So he is like a light creamy color with green green grapes on on his rump and he has red hair. Me. Okay. Now for the reason why we are doing Star Wars tonight. Finally have it in my possession. Oh, yes. If we remember correctly, um, January's um, Deluxe Loot Crate crate DX box was Star Wars themed, and they had not gotten Ray's lightsaber completed. Right. So I had all of a sudden gotten this thing coming in from Pennsylvania, and it's like, okay, what what would I have coming from Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. And evidently what Loot Crate did was they actually created because for the actual box itself, they created, so it says Star Wars on it, 
it looks like you're going through hyperspace at warp at at um at light speed. And evidently to keep with that theme, Loot Crate evidently created a smaller version of the box just mm-hmm. to raise lightsaber and sent it directly to the manufacturer and told them, Hey, you know, as soon as you get these things done, send them out. Right. Here's a list of people just out. Either that or they had slapped these they slapped the um yeah, they evidently slapped the sticker. They yeah, they evidently sent them the list because even at the bottom it says one time DX lightsaber. I did not notice that at the bottom of my um sticker. So this could possibly be have either been printed up by Loot Crate because it has a return address for Loot loot crate mm-hmm. or it could have just been from them just printing it in Pennsylvania but the inside is the same exact as before it has the Jedi writing at the top of the box and then when you get down to the bottom it says may the force be with you So at least they're keeping with the theme. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I couldn't wait. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I couldn't wait to open it. it. It has been like a month. A month and a half. I'm only human. Plus, I also wanted to see if this thing needed, like, batteries or something like that, so. Right. And originally, it came in just a regular plastic bag, and the box came in a regular plastic bag. Uh, The box is really nice. It's made by EFX Collectibles. It has Star Wars, the traditional writing. It has a picture of the lightsaber. And it says Ray's lightsaber scaled collectible. Now, a lot of people are going to be kind of like, are a little bit in uproar because it's kind of like this isn't technically Ray's lightsaber. It's the Skywalker lightsaber. Well, actually, technically it is Ray's lightsaber because it picked her. Yeah. So, if you want to argue with me about it, get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, getting into it, it does come with a little stand. It comes with a nice little plaque that says, Star Wars, Ray's lightsaber, scale replica has loot crate symbol on one side and EFX symbol on the other side.
And I have to say, once again, Luke Crate, the one great thing about this company is whatever they create themselves, if it's a replica of something, they do it justice. Yeah, I have seen some of their their stuff. Their replicas are very nicely detailed. Oh, yes. And this is no exception at all. I mean, you take this thing out, you feel like you can just go after Ky- Kylo Ren, like, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Details on it are, like, I mean, you, you'd swear you're actually holding the actual lightsaber. It does come with a certificate of authenticity. This certifies that the accompanying collectible is an authentic prop produced by EFX Inc. under official license from Lucasfilm Limited. The The lightsaber was recreated using the original prop digital files and reference from Lucas film archives as seen in the Star Wars saga. It is manufactured from the highest quality materials and assembled and finished by hand. The copyright of Lucas and blah 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 blah. So I mean it's just the hilt but still it's it's great tilt. Yeah. I mean, come on. You you can't get any better than that. <laughs> Except for the fact that I took a what would be your lightsaber hilt test and I I got Kyla Ren's hilt. Oh, okay. <laughs> They have a test for that. They have a they have a, they have a test on you on YouTube for the hilt and the color. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm headed to the dark side. Ah. <laughs> oh. Goodness, don't know what I'm gonna do with you. But I hear they have cookies. Yes, that's that's true. I mean, and that is actually is one of the questions on one of the tests is something about the dark side and cookies. <laughs> So anyway, back to the back to the um the actual hilt. It actually does look like the lightsaber from the movies. Um, buttons are in the right place. It has the I don't even know what the things are supposed to be at the top. The two little prong things at the top, mm-hmm. which actually I think they're supposed to 
make the oh god the blade either thicker or thinner because they do they do, they are movable pieces and they move within the barrel so I think those are that's a part that makes it the lightsaber thicker or thinner. It does have the black pieces that are actually attached black pieces. And then another great thing about this is actually has the hook where you would actually hook it onto your belt. Oh, okay. So it has like... It just has the little clip part so that you can actually walk around with it like clip to a belt or something if you were cosplaying. Yeah. That's kind of neat. So it does have that little that little loop thingy. Yeah, I mean, this thing is... I mean, just greatly made. I kind of wish that, you know, you could put batteries in it and it could light up and stuff like that, but, you know, you can't have everything. So, but anyway. Oh, by the way, did you watch those videos I sent you? Uh, I watched the first one, the the outtakes one. <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? What was that? I said that that one was pretty good, now wasn't it? Yeah, that actually was funny. Okay, I um, think uh, the first part where he's supposed to be interrogating Poe, and it was who talks first? Do I talk first? Do you talk first? I talk first. Well, technically, you talk first. Damn it! This whole conversation's been derailed. <laughs> description. It is actually a bunch of scenes with Kylo Kylo Ren and they're I don't know if they're actually real scenes or not because I mean they they seem so real and the voice is so spot on. Um, I think it might have been that they took footage from the movies and they did like a voiceover and the guy that did it was just a really good impersonator. Um, that, yeah, that probably is true, but <laughs> that part was just like, oh my God. And then I think my other favorite part was they were walking past the stormtroopers and, um, Finn is standing there, and it's before he takes his helmet off, and he's just sort of staring at Ren, and Ren goes, what? What, dude, what? And then he looks over at one of the other stormtroopers and goes, Jim, your friend is acting really weird. 
know that part is just that that was just like oh my god I almost fell out of my chair laughing because it was like because really when you look at that scene it's like what has to be going on in Red Red's head when he's staring at this stormtrooper? Right, because they're just kind of staring at each other. Yeah, it's just like somebody say something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, technically, I mean, he's the boss. Technically, technically, he should be going, dude, do your work. <laughs> Why the hell aren't you firing on people? I mean, seriously, that's, I mean, technically, that is technically what he should have been doing. That's a staring at him. True, true. But, I mean, that explained a little bit more in the book. Yeah. But I love the part where the blaster thing hits whatever it was that it, it hit then jumped and, and Kylo Ren goes pussy <laughs> I mean that was just like priceless <laughs> because seriously that's what I was like when he jumped because the thing hit Hit the the um, the blaster beam hit the whatever it was that it hit, mm-hmm. and Finn jumped. I just sat, I just sat there thinking, pussy. <laughs> and it's like somebody actually put it on the screen. And it's like, oh my god, somebody is reading my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because seriously. You're a stormtrooper, and yeah, okay. Um, yeah, somebody needs to go back to blaster training. <laughs> well, you know, there's that running. There was that running joke for the longest time that stormtroopers just couldn't hit anything anyway. <laughs> there is actually. There is now the stormtroopers have 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 come back with a reason as to why it looks like they could not hit the broadside of a barn. Yeah, and the reason for that is they were ordered not to hit them. <laughs> It's like, dude, that is just an excuse. <laughs> just poor shot. <laughs> but of course, actually, it, it was actually kind of explained, if you really think about it, in A New Hope. It was kind of explained that, you know, it was a little too easy for them to get away. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Princess Leia, who's never picked up a blaster before, picks up a blaster and blasts three of them. True. And she's a girl! 
time, stormtroopers are all boys. Well, yeah, but Leia also Leia also has force abilities. Of course, we didn't know this to start with, but exactly. Which makes the opening scenes of her and Darth Vader even funnier. Like, actually, when you realize that it's not the random bad guy talking to the captured princess, but it's actually a father talking to his daughter, and they're just being so combative towards each other. You want yeah, I mean, to stop and have him go, look, young lady, don't make me send you to your room. Oh, wait a minute, I blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> okay, that is a good one. I like that. I like that. I like that. Don't 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 make me send you to your bedroom. Oh wait, no shit. I just blew it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's also kind of explains why like Darth Vader was like all up in her. I mean, come on. I mean, it looks like. Yeah. If he got any closer to her, her, he would have been just like, you know, (laughs) knocking her over. True, true. And she could, like, not blink whenever he got up in her face, too. Yeah, she did not. She, she, She was just like all, just like, strict face. You know, but then it comes to the point of how the heck do you not know you you have a daughter? Well, I mean, I'm sure he knew, but then if you saw the last part of oh, what was the last movie in the prequel trilogy? <laughs> Uh, the um, the Return of the Jedi. No, 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 not Return of the Jedi. The last of the prequel uh, movies, no. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. But they were actually Leia and Luke were actually taken away like right after they were born. Yeah. And that was all done to make sure that they were, you know, kept far enough away apart because you know Obi Wan, you know Obi Wan Kenobi. He had to have taken one look at her stomach and went, "Holy crap, we got two force users right there." Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're putting this one on this side of the world, on this side of the universe, and this one on this side of the universe. <laughs> they should never meet that way. <laughs> well, they ended up finding each other anyway, so. Yeah, and she ends up kissing them. Yeah, which is weird. But they didn't know they were related at the time. Yeah, they didn't know it at the time. Of course, I think I think Leia was just trying to get Hans, you know, you know, 
pissed off or jealous. That's a possibility, too. But, I mean, if you look at, look at him in that scene, he was kind of looking at Luke kind of like, I'm going to kick your nerf her ass later. <laughs> I'm going to land this sucker. I'm going to land a Millennium Falcon at the next plane. I'm going to, we're, we're going out, we're going outside. We're, I'm going to kick your ass. Moisture Carver, Jedi, Jedi Knight, I don't care what the hell you are. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> I want the girl. But anyway. Um... <laughs> I'm the actual topic of the evening. <laughs> we um... have to set the tone. We have to set the tone there. <laughs> true, true. So, um... I'm actually going to pull out the book because I actually got the physical book and I've actually marked off certain parts. I've actually gotten other pieces of mail I need to open that I'm currently using as bookmarks. (laughs) Well, you won't lose it that way. Exactly. So... In the beginning of the movie, we show Poe at the at the um, on Jakku at the at the village. But what we don't see is how he was picked. Yeah, why he's there? Yeah, it's like. You know, why is he there? Why isn't Leia there representing the rebellion? And actually, um, again, this is from, from the novelization. It's because it was... It was kind of decided upon because... She is she is a general, she is a senator, she is a princess, that sending her out there would have been kind of a suicide mission. Well, it would have been too risky. Yeah, it would have been too risky to send her. So they decided to send their best pilot out instead. And going further back into the beginning of the movie, where the stormtroopers are on the transport ship, I like the book version of the transport ship better than the movie. Yeah. Because that was a little bit more realistic. In the, it has the stormtroopers. They're all like, you know, buddy buddy. They're all like, hey dude, you know, your 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 thing isn't locked down. Let me help you lock that down for you. Let me get, let me make sure your armor's like all set and like, you know, they're doing things that would technically be done in the military. Yeah, it made them seem more like real people. 
Yeah. Whereas because it used to be clones that were used. Mm-hmm. Well, now the now stormtroopers are taken from their families as babies, literally snatched from their mother's arms and handed a blaster and said, "Here, here, this, this, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life." They're they're not they're not clones anymore. There are people taken from the general population and told that they're going to be troopers. Yeah. It's like they literally have no choice in what they're going to do. Okay. And I really, after, you know, seeing a lot of interviews and especially seeing a lot of interviews with Adam Driver, I'm actually shocked that he didn't point this out when they were doing the movie because he was actually in the military before he started his acting career. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he he only went through basic training. Unfortunately, he had an accident that prevented him from going into combat. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, he, he he might have wished that it had turned out a different way, but there is a possibility that that accident that prevented him from full active duty may have been a good thing for him. I mean, I would have thought he would have said, he would have went to JJ and said, Hey, you know what? Technically these guys should technically be kind of like helping each other, making sure everyone's suited up properly. Everyone's guns are ready to go, you know, and all of that. Mm hmm. But that's besides point. Um, it kind of gives you a little bit of a a question mark on in the movie these these stormtroopers because it makes you question. Okay, are they still clones or are they real people? I mean, maybe it was it could have been I mean, they could have actually went the clone way and said, you know, maybe one was defective. They didn't realize it and he just said, oh, you know what? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm getting the hell out of here. Well, I actually don't like the fact that they went back and changed all the clones in the, or everybody in the um, the original trilogy and said, oh, we're going to make them all sound like Django Fett and say that, oh, they're all clones now. Because I feel like enough time would have passed that they would have gotten other people to be soldiers. And that yeah. would have been more cost-effective than just having a whole bunch of clones made, same guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but I do, I do like that now we have 
we have more stormtroopers that are definitely different people. Yeah, they're definitely def- they're different people. There are actually female stormtroopers, and there is a female stormtrooper as a lead character in Captain Phasma. Yeah, well, she's she's somebody with more authority. I mean, and the fact that the, she has a name, whereas everybody else is FN2187, FN35946. Um, yeah, letters and numbers. Hold on one second. Now I've got to find it. Because I'd forgotten to. I believe uh, at least there was a JD007. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there was. That was Daniel Craig, by the way. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, I'm getting, I'm jumping a little bit ahead here. Um, where FN two one eight seven and Poe are in the cockpit, and you know, you know, Poe gives. Finn a name, and Finn is, he's kind of like sitting there, even in the movie, I like this, he's like, oh my god, I have a name, oh my god, great, I I, I, I feel like I'm a human now. Yeah. And in the book, he goes, I don't know your name, if you tell me it's RS736 or something like that, I'm going to be seriously confused. <laughs> I, I really wish they would have had that in the movie. That would have been funny, because that that would have really, have really, really established the buddy comedy between those two. Yeah. There were a lot because, of character interactions that they had in the book that weren't in the movie. Yeah. So I love that part. Um, anyway, pretty much everything that happens on Jakku is pretty much in the book. It's the same. Um, the interrogation scene, which I actually want to kind of compare three three different three different ones okay okay and it's pose interrogation scene and raise two different interrogation scenes mhm okay granted yes we are going to be kind of jumping back and forth a little bit simply because, I mean, the two scenes themselves are very dramatically different. 
okay? Um, when with Poe, he's aggressive. He's very much like, you know, you're going to give me this or else I'm, I'm going to, or else I'm going to be one kicking your ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm going to shove my boot up your, your backside next. You know, he, he is very much like, you know, you're going to give me this information whether you want, want to or not. And the scene is basically word for word between the book and the movie for Poe is exactly the same <laughs> for the book however Ray's scenes are completely different for the movie and the book from the the planet interrogation scene to the interrogation scene on the ship, they're both different, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like they took both, they took and basically kind of moved around stuff. Uh, it does kind of seem like the two different interrogation scenes um, in the book were sort of mashed into one thing in the movie. Yeah. Um, in the movie, she, of course, attacks first. He freezes her. He goes, first of all, he looks her up and down kind of like, ooh, baby. You mm-hmm. look good. <laughs> well, sure, you could put it that way. Huh? I said, sure, you could put it that way. Oh, come on. He, I mean, he checked her out, okay? Come on. <laughs> I, I saw it as not, oh, she looks nice. I saw it as more of, uh-oh, she's got something. She she has some sort of abilities, or she there's something about her that's going to make her dangerous towards me. <laughs> okay, that is actually two different opinions that have been going around. That that scene, it's him checking her out, kind of like, oh my god, that that's an, that's another. Once you see. The, the Last Jedi, I'll send you the other clip thing because okay. it has a lot of, you know, scenes from The Last Jedi and I don't want to spoil too much. Okay. But, yeah, in, in, in that one, it, 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 it has, like, a, like, kind of like thinking bubbles coming from him, kind of like, Oh, wow, she looks pretty. She She's really pretty. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I had heard that in The Last Jedi, there's going to be a lot, you know, there was a lot of, it really seems like the two of them are going to end up together. 
And if that's the case, I really hope the theory about them being related isn't true then. I I shall say nothing. Okay. (laughs) Or do you want me to tell you that part? No, you don't have to. I'll I'll, I'll wait. Okay. But... Um, whereas in the book, he goes, you know, you attack me first. I think I actually have this one marked. Oh, here it is. Yes, I do. Yay. Um, as the alien woods closed in around her, Ray jumped at every sound, glanced sharply at it. Uh, sensed something something just ahead. She slowed, brought the blaster up. A figure stepped out from behind a tree. It was the nightmare. He was wielding a lightsaber unlike any she had ever seen in the story she had read. Its its beam was an intense burning red like a controlled flame near the hilt. A pair of shorter beams shot shot outward perpendicular to the main shaft she fired again and again each shot from her blaster he deflected with the lightsaber's beam almost as if it were a game Scott in terror as she continued to fire he was playing with her until eventually he tired of it he raised a hand held it towards her palm out she inhaled sharply her hand frozen froze on the blaster. She tried to turn, to run, but her legs refused to respond. Uh, let me skip a little bit. Um, halting an arm's length away, he studied her, her face from behind his mask. When he finally spoke, he sounded at once impressed and surprised you would kill me knowing nothing about me? Finding that that her mouth and lips worked, she replied defiantly, why wouldn't I kill you? I know about the first order. I would say otherwise, but there was there is a small thing. Simple ignorances are easily remedied. As he spoke, he slowly... He walks slowly around her, par- her paralyzed body, so afraid, yet I should be the one who should be scared. You shot first. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she definitely took the initiative there. I mean, technically, I mean, she kind of had no ground on that one. <laughs> But of course, you know, I mean, I would have stood there and said, dude, you came out from behind a tree with your lightsaber lit, okay? What am I supposed to do? True. I mean, and I will say this, that in the in the book, um, the way that Kylo Ren acts in the book 
versus the way that he acts and the way that he's portrayed in the movie. In the book, he does actually seem genuinely scary. Like, he is intimidating. And he, he does scare people around him. And then in the movie, he's kind of like, I don't, I don't know. In the movie, he seems to sort of be just like, okay, Han Solo's kid had, like, a bad day and went really super emo. And he's trying <laughs> really, really hard to be Darth Vader, but he's not succeeding. And I could just imagine how this conversation went between, you know, um, Han and Leia, where he just turns and looks at her and goes, he gets it from your side of the family. (laughs) (laughs) Which is typically true, but no. Well, well, actually, he does. I mean, literally, he does. When he sees her on the base, he says there's just too much Vader in her. Technically, he's saying there's just too much of your family or family in him. Yeah. That comes from your side of the family. That doesn't come from my side of the family. Of course, we really don't know that much about Han's family right now. I mean, they're they're supposed to be doing a uh, a Han Solo movie. Uh, it will be out in May. Yeah, May? Oh, okay. Yes, it will be out in May. And that was another reason reason why we're we're doing this tonight is we're um, about three weeks out from The Last Jedi coming out from the novelization, and we are like almost a little over a month from the DVD Blu-ray release. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are reasons to my madness. <laughs> But really quickly, let's take a snack break and hope and pray I don't get something completely disgusting. I pulled out a stick. It looks like chocolate. That's a good sign. Yes. Okay, there's no picture of the item. So this is a mystery item, so I'm just going to have to hope and pray it's chocolate. Hmm, it smells like chocolate. It looks like chocolate. Well, then hopefully it's chocolate. Mmm. Okay. This reminds me of the chocolate peanut butter puffs that I got. Mm-hmm. But in stick form. Oh, okay. 
so that's a good thing. But back to what we're saying. Um, he has more of an interrogation scene in the book on the planet. And he's really physical with her in the book. Well, yeah, as far as he actually touches her face as opposed to in the movie where they just kind of like three like two 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 centimeters away. He gets really close to touching her. But never yeah, actually touches. Like, it's he's like really in her personal space. It's kind of like dude, have you never heard of boundaries? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah, this is Kylo Ren we're talking about. This is the man who will just like pull out, pull out a lightsaber and like you know just start bashing at things just because the computer reset. Yet yeah, he pitched a fit a couple of times in the book. He pitched a fit a couple of times in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think he pitched the same amount of fits in the book that he did in the movie. And I actually have the one scene where he did pitch the one fit, which was the one scene that we both thought was really beautiful, and I have it marked off. We'll talk about it right after this this part. But um, when he interrogates her in the book, he does physically touch her. He does physically touch her face. He still gets really close into her personal space. Um, how she wakes up in the interrogation room is completely different. In the book, it's more she naturally wakes up and he's just like staring at her. Being yeah. like the ultra quiet, you know, ultra creepy. Yeah, that was kind of a little weird. It's like, okay, you, you, you did not even make a sound to wake her up. Okay, that is just really creepy. Whereas in the movie, I swear he had to have like been like watching her for a while, and then just just like okay, that's it. I'm done watching. I'm I'm done watching her. I need to I need to listen to her talk again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then bang, he had to have like you know hit the hit the hit the wall or something, right, to wake her up. Which, seriously, if it would have been me, I would have been waking up and I would have been bitching them out. (laughs) Kind of like, dude, you put me to sleep and now you bang on something to wake me up. Do you want me to sleep or do you want me awake? Mm -hmm. Pick one or the other. (laughs) The same Burger King, you can't have it, but you can't have it your way. Okay, but 
the way he talks to her and the way he treats her versus Poe is very, very different. With Poe, he's really aggressive. With Ray, he's gentle. Yeah, because you get the sense that with Poe, it's, oh, this is the enemy. I need the information out of him, and I need to get it now. And then with Ray, it's kind of like, she's the enemy, yeah, but not really. And there's something intriguing about her that he doesn't quite understand. I think he likes her. There's probably that, too. But, like, he, he seems to... The the feeling that I got from uh, the descriptions in the book was basically that he kind of knows that there's something different about her, that she keeps insisting, you know, for most of the beginning of the book, she insists, I'm not anyone special, I'm just a scavenger. I don't know why, you know... Yeah. Excuse me. This guy would be interested in me at all. I'm just a scavenger, and you know, the first time Kylo Ren, I was like actually alone with her. He's going, okay, this is the girl everybody was talking about. She's not just a scavenger. Yeah. So let me actually get to. the actual uh, here someplace. Aha, here we go. Okay. Um, one difference between the book and the movie is he actually takes off her wrist restraints. Yeah which is kind of like, you know, him trusting her. And this is the girl he just met that basically tried to shoot his ass. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, um, typically, yeah, um, if the girl's done trying to shoot your ass, um, She's not interested. Yeah, you don't release really... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's not interested. <laughs> but you don't release her her arms. You don't release her in any way, shape, or form that she could possibly take and, like, grab you in any sort of a hold and just do you harm? Right. I mean, she had like plenty of opportunities in the book where she could have slugged them, she could have slapped them, she could have grabbed something and really yanked hard on it. <laughs> Oh, 
Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was I was agreeing with you. So you so you really sounded whiny. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. That's okay. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, she had the opportunity. Uh, very true. Okay. Um. When she wakes up, she does the whole "Where am I?" Um, they do do a little bit more of an elaboration as to you know where she's at, and he and he goes, "Does the physical location really matter so much?" Which I'm kind of on the fence as to whether or not that was a good thing to leave out. Yeah. Because it's kind of like it's kind of like does it the the, the does your phys, your actual physical location actually really matter? I mean, dude, really seriously. But he does. They do still do the "You are my guest." You are my guest, which again just goes to show you that the book and the script were written at the same time, and they just kind of just played off of each other. Mm-hmm. And I love when he tells her. You know, tell me about the droid, and she goes, "It's a BB unit with a selenium drive, a thermal hyperscan." I am familiar with general droid technical specifications. I didn't, I don't need to acquire one. I, I thought that would have been great to have had in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It it was kind of like a more sophisticated way of saying, "Lady, I'm not looking to buy one." I want to know about the specific droid that I know was with you. Where is it now? <laughs> exactly. I love that part. When I heard that part, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Rewind. Oh, holy crap, he actually did say that. <laughs> I mean, literally, seriously, he should have said, 
tell me about the droid you had with you and what it's carrying. Uh-huh. Okay. So technically, I would have loved to have seen that in the movie because, first of all, that would have had – hearing that come out of Adam Driver's mouth would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have just been like, he would have just been like probably standard on, look, I'm not looking to buy him one lady. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking about the one you had. So, but that actually brings me to the one piece of mail that was actually keeping that spot. And it's actually my stick, my, my, my monthly sticker mail. Oh, okay. So, Hey, I, Hey, I had to use something because I was listening to the, to the, to basically 90% of the the book today. Mm-hmm. And I kept having to run to my room and like, find things to throw into like certain parts of the chapters to keep them. And it was like, okay, I'm going to just throw, I'm going to throw the um thing in, in, in there for, for the stickers, <laughs> for the both, both of the sticker things. Okay. So this month's theme is slumber party. So the slumber party theme sticker actually has, like, you know, nightgown, slippers, donut, bag of marshmallows. Ooh. And it has a big old sticker of a strawberry shortcake. And then we have a little packet that has eye masks, slippers, makeup, jewels, perfume. And maybe if Kyla would have given some of this to Ray, she would have been a little bit more um, open to talking. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> and then the other side we have um thing called Nailed It and it's basically stickers of nail polishes. We have kitty cats. We have pieces of candy. We have kitty cats, unicorns, a kitty cat with a crown on it, a kitty cat sitting on a moon. Mm. Got a castle and crowns. Oh, speaking of unicorns, did you know Uh-oh. that the Lucky Charms is adding a new marshmallow? Ooh. Oh, my God. They're going to have unicorn marshmallows now. I just found this out. I must get Lucky Charms. 
I know. I must somehow get lucky charms. Cereal, I think, in the next few days to see if they have those boxes out yet. It'll probably be a couple of weeks before they probably put those out because normally they say it and then it's about a few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is one thing where I'm saying they're being a little bit skimpy here. They have two pieces of paper. They're supposed to be they're like checklist papers. And the papers are really cute. They're like teddy bears. One is two teddy bears with blankets and clouds and balls. And the other mm-hmm. one is a teddy bear and a bunny with wands and a nice little, like, stars and stuff around them. But it's only two pieces of paper. I mean, they could have given more than two pieces of paper. Yeah. I mean, come on. And the next thing of stickers is uh, all food-based lollipops, ice creams, donuts, um, strawberries with a straw through it. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> strawberry. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a little bit too literal. <laughs> Oh, but it's funny. Yes. And then the last one is just a couple of bears, and they're, like, at a slumber party, and they're just kind of, like, having fun. And just various items. Like, they're camping. They're putting makeup on each other. They're sleeping in the living room. They're sleeping in a tent. They're watching TV. So... Yeah, that's this month's theme. It is slumber party. Aww. And see, it was holding the best part of the book. <laughs> the part where uh, she decides she's going to become a saleswoman. <laughs> but back to the scene. I really think that scene was actually really funny because... It's kind of like, dude, you seriously put yourself in that spot by opening up your mouth. (laughs) Kind of see why they didn't put that in the movie, but I really would have, really, really, really would have loved to have seen Adam Driver deliver that scene that way. Yeah, that would have been funny. That would have been hilarious. That would have been beyond funny. That would have been downright pause the movie because I'm about to pee my pants funny. (laughs) Okay. That's how funny it would have been. That at least is my opinion. But as I said, with her, he's very gentle in his interrogation. It isn't until 
they get that lock. Mm-hmm. He hits this brick wall that suddenly turns things around and turns things back on him. Where is where he gets pissed off, kind of like, what the heck is going on here? She's just a scavenger. What the heck? And then it's like, holy shit, this is the force. Yeah. And then he just walks out of the room and just like waves a hand and she's like just like clanging back right into the into the shackles. Yeah, it's kind of a once he realizes that she's something special, he kind of freaks out. Yeah. And Where am I at? So going back, heading back to more back towards the beginning. Again, this is going to be going back and forth between different spots, but we are going to go back more towards the beginning of this. Um, the part where FN21827 gets Poe out of off of the ship. It is pretty much scene for scene exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Except for in the movie they get hit and all of a sudden they're on Jakku. And he's ejected. Yeah. Okay. So we um, know how Finn got out, but like they never explain in the movie how Poe survives that. Right. But they never really explained how Finn actually technically got out. They, in the book, they actually describe him, you know, turning around, looking at Poe, thinking he's dead. Yeah. And then he grabs the ejector and he blacks out. That would have been a little bit more realistic to me to have had that in the movie. Yeah. And then to have just like a regular old ejection seat thing In a type in a special special forces tie fighter, mm-hmm. that really never sat well with me. I like the book's description of it. You not only are ejected, but you're also surrounded in a protective foam. So when you land, you don't like you know crack your skull open because you landed the wrong way. Yeah. You know, you landed face down and you landed head down instead of head up. 
you know, yeah, landed tail, tails up and, and not heads up. Okay. Because if you're, uh, you know, you're ejecting out of a TIE fighter, you're obviously not going to be going anywhere that's, like, got some somewhere that's going to be a guaranteed soft landing. Yeah. And also, you're not guaranteed to be ejecting planet's atmosphere. That too. So, you know, that whole part I kind of didn't like in the movie. I like how they did it in the book. I like how he still went to try and save Poe and wasn't able to And unfortunately, is just kind of like walking around. But then we get to Ray with BB-8. I think Ray with BB-8 in, in the book, she was more annoyed with him than she was in the movie. Yeah. At first. At first. Because in the book, you know, hey, you know what, I'll pay for the, I'll pay, you know, is the droid for sale. And he doesn't make the offer. She goes, how much? In the book. Yeah. And he goes, 60 portions. And she goes, And she's thinking about it, and the droids, of course, you know, beeping and going off, going, you know, beep, 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 beep. And she's just like, would you just shut up? And hits two things, hits a couple buttons on top of his head, and his head just goes, plump. <laughs> Down onto the ground, which I actually would have loved to have seen in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and because at that point in the story, she's not even considering going off-world or being part of any resistance. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't care. She's trying to just get by. And, you know, 60 portions is a lot of food. When the majority of the time she brings stuff in and it's like, oh, half a portion. Or a quarter portion. It's It's like the man's trying to, like, keep her, like, you know, yeah. Of course, you know, in the book, it's more implied that he it kind of has a thing for her. Really creepy. At least in the adult novelization, mind you, there are two different novelizations. There is a junior novelization and there is an adult novelization. Mm-hmm. I the um the audio book is the adult novelization. There is no junior novelization in audio book. Mm-hmm. I'd actually have to get it and read it, and I actually had had it put on hold at my my library, but we got snowed in so badly that I never got out to the library to go get it. 
So by the time I actually was able to get to the library, they had already sent the book back. Ah, okay. Plus, also, there would have been no way I would have been able to read that read that book that quickly because, I mean, the adult novelization is 300 pages, 301 pages long. Yeah. Okay. But it seems like he wants to keep her, he, he seems to want to keep her, um, Skinny. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he is very creepy in the novelization. Um, in the movie, unless you've seen the behind the scenes, because they did, I don't think they even put his name on the credits as being in Carplot. Um, the guy who played Scotty in J.J. Abrams. version of Star Trek mm-hmm. is Unkar Plutt. Oh, okay. And he he was a real, real Star Wars fan, but he didn't want to be a face character because he didn't want to seem to be betraying, you know, the Star Trek fans. Yeah. So JJ was like, "How about this? We'll just put you in this big old rubber suit. <laughs> that way, nobody sees that it's you. Yeah, nobody can tell it's you." <laughs> well, sorry, Scotty, I just outed you. Oops. But speaking of Uncar Plus, there is. The scene in the movie where Ray go, Ray goes to shoot the stormtroopers on Maz Kanata's um, planet, and you know nothing happens, and she goes, "Oh yeah, the uh, the the um the safety, yeah, the safety." I don't know. Why I blanked on that? I mean, I I'm dating a cop for the love of God here. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean that should have just like came out like nothing. <laughs> but um, and if you really think about it, and if you really watch the movie. Han Han did not show her that there's a safety on there. That's true. At all in the movie. So it's like, wait a minute. What is she? How could she be saying, oh, yeah, the safety? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The Millennium Falcon was, was in Carplot. And you think, and you're thinking throughout the entire movie, this man had the Millennium Falcon, and he never came after it. True. Wait to have your mind blown. 
he did come after Millennium Falcon. He didn't come after Millennium Falcon. He actually came after Ray mm-hmm. using the Millennium Falcon. And this was just after Finn had gone off with the pirates. And she turns around. She gets grabbed by the arm, and it's Unkar play. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, really pissed off, and he's that she left Jakku. He's not, and it's amazing that he's pissed off that that she left Jakku. Not so well, much that she, she had all kinds of parts. Hmm? Well, she because she was getting him all kinds of valuable parts that he could pay her almost nothing for, and then pr- probably get a good profit on. Oh yes, that and you know he had other plans for her. Come on. Well, yeah, probably that, too. He was just waiting for her to be old enough. I try not to that. It's still kind of creepy. Yeah, it is is very creepy since he's had her since she was like five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. Something like that, yeah. Pick, pick, Pick one of those numbers and go with it. Okay, and it's really, really her that he came after. He didn't come come after her because of the Millennium Falcon. He came because she left the planet. Mm Mm-hmm. So... And that is actually where she found out how to use the the gun because she puts it in his face and goes to pull the trigger and he goes and she goes, I'm seriously thinking about adding another hole in your your in your face. He chuckles at her. Grabs the gun, wrenches it from her hand, and she pull she pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. But nothing happens. And he goes, he's he shook his head in mock sympathy as he held up the, the blaster. You'd need to take off the safety first. One finger moved towards the almost hidden switch. In the in question, here I'll show you how you just flip this little, and then Chewie walks up, grabs the blaster, grabs Unpluck, and just basically rips his arm off. <laughs> oh, good old just Chewie! Like, just like I mean, just like he's protecting a little sister. Yeah, I definitely feel like like after they met up with um yeah, after Finn and Ray met up with Han and Chewie, Chewie kind of looked at at Ray and went, "This is my new th- this is going to be my new person right here." 
so I'm just going to have to, you know, look out for her. And yeah. he spent like the rest of the, he spent the rest of the book sort of like constantly protecting her and making sure she was okay. Yeah, he was very much her protector. Her arm off, which part of this scene, I can see why they didn't. They ripped his arm off. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they could have put that scene in there with with not ripping his arm off. Maybe it's just like, like taking his wookie arm and just bashing the room. That too. I mean, that would answer the question: How did she know about the about the this um the safety? But. But the one part I really want to do, which I know we both actually really, 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 really love this this part of the book, and it's the beginning of chapter seven. Uh, that's the one where they're talking about the one part of the um, the destroyer. Yes sweep of the external observation portal on the Star Destroyer finalizer allowed allowed anyone standing before it an uninterrupted view of the vastness of space. Suns and nebula, mysteries, conundrums, all were laid out before the viewer. It was a view intended to awe and inspire Hence the presence of the portal where visual pickups and monitors would have sufficed just as well. Kylo Ren regarded it in silence. He had been trained in contemplation, was skilled in deliberation, could remain meditating just so for hours at a time, but he was losing patience. Approaching from behind, all Lieutenant Mitaka could see was a tall spray of stars. He did not look forward to having to make the report. It was his responsibility, and he had no choice. Nor was it the first time he had been compelled to deliver bad news to a superior officer. But Kylo Ren was different. Not precisely a superior officer, but something else. At that moment, Mitaka would rather have been anywhere else in the civilized galaxy than alone in a room with Kylo Ren. The cake figure did not turn. He did not have to. Mitaka knew Ren was as aware of his arrival as if he had been had watched him approach the lieutenant with something other than eyes. Something to report, lieutenant? Or have you come, like myself, to marvel at the view? 
Yeah. Because. Go ahead. I mean, seriously, that that is if that is really Kylo Ren, man, he can come here right now and just start a destroyer right now and give me a ring, and I'll say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, the thing is, is that is probably the longest description of what is basically just a room with a window. But you have to really think about this is a spaceship. It is out in space. And there is air if, you know, (laughs) that window shatters. It will basically take everything that is in that room and throw it out into a cold vacuum that nothing is supposed to be able to survive. But the view is just so inspiring that anyone and, and everyone and even this guy that's on this ship that's supposed to be the most intimidating person you know, aside from Snoke. Who has temper tantrums. Yeah, who pitches a fit over just like (laughs) so many different things. Just supposed to be the most terrifying person on this ship. You know, even he has to stop and be awed by just the view. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish they would have put this I wish that scene would have had that window instead of him just looking at a bunch of computers. Yeah. Because I want to see that visual of him, like, standing against, you know, a window full of stars. I mean, I mean that would have just been, like, Yeah, and it's sort of a mind that... Yeah. Oh. It sort of reminds you that this is actually taking place, majority of it is taking place out in space. And it's not just, you know, it, it's it's not just set pieces. This is supposed right. to actually be somewhere out in the universe. Yeah. So I mean that 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 scene right there when I when I first heard it it was like oh man I wish they would have put that window in that room yeah oh man but but they probably cut that scene for technical reasons of uh, we don't want to render a huge window and a whole bunch of and a and a giant stayscape but. It could have yeah. been done equally. Yeah, it could have totally been done CGI'd. I mean, it totally could have been done green screened. But I think, actually, if you really think about it, actually, the scene we got in the movie where he attacks the machines he's actually looking at 
is a little bit more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Rather than just attacking the machines that were around the window because he could have accidentally hit the window. <laughs> I mean, we we also have to figure, you know, there there is that part of yeah, you know, you can practice the scene as many times as you want to make sure the character, the actor hits what he's supposed to be hitting, but there's some points where it's kind of like out of your hands. Because he's supposed to be technically in a blind rage, and, you know, when you're in a blind rage, you're not really seeing what you're doing. Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing that they didn't put that in the movie, too. Yeah. But I still love how he still was like, what girl? Oh, yeah. And it's when they like, talk I mean, to him, a girl. And it's, and, I mean, it's still a big, huge mystery as to, I mean, they've hinted at it that, you know, she, of course, had the forest dream, which I'm actually, I've, I think I've actually got that. Oh, crap, I didn't. Hold on. Uh, ha, in crap, there we go. Okay. Um, another big difference. from the book and the movie is her force is her force vision. Mhm. Okay. And the force vision in the book you don't hear anybody talking. Mhm. Okay, until one part which was changed in the book, that was changed from the book to the movie. And it was the part in between where she sees Luke with R2-D2 and when she's in the snowy woods Mm -hmm. they don't have her being left on Jakku in the the book well they they do but it's kind of it's really short No, it's just actually. So, well, it, there was 
in the book it was just kind of somebody saying, stay here, I'll come back for you, and that was it. Actually, no, that, see, that's the thing. Here's the scene. Um, now around her barren snowy woods and the sounds of unknown forest creatures and a conviction that she must be losing her mind, once more she climbed to her feet, her chilled breath preceding her, from in front of her, not far away, came the sounds of battle, the cries of the wounded, and the clashing of weapons. Then behind her, another voice, that voice. Stay here, I'll come back for you. She whirled, around, she whirled glazed eyes, desperately scanning the dark gaps between the slender trees, trying to penetrate the darkness. Where are you? She started running towards the voice. I'll come back, sweetheart, I promise. That's the thing. They don't say who it is that said it. Oh, okay. There is this whole huge thing about the word, the word, the use of the word sweetheart. Uh-huh. Because who, what is the, what make character use the word sweetheart 5,897,337 times when he talked to Leia, which pissed her off? Oh, yeah, that was high. So it's all a big question as to is this a vision of the future of Kylo saying this to her? Uh Uh-huh. Because they may become an item and they're already setting down the groundwork for it. Yeah, that's a possibility. Because they completely skip, they completely ripped out. They did not have her scene where she was left with Uncar play in the movie uh-huh. in the book at all. They completely bit out, and instead gave that one scene where it's a you don't know who's who's telling her to stay where she's at. Mhm. So that is still a big, huge question. Hmm. So, um, a, another thing is in the book the one woman that you see who is destroyed in the Republic, mm-hmm. they actually finally give her a name. She is finally a name. Right. And she is one of the resistance people that Leia sends to the Republic to try and get help. And this part, I wish they really would have emphasized 
in the movie, but they weren't really showing the resistance mm-hmm. in the movie yet, where the Republic was destroyed. And she physically felt all of the deaths through the force. Yeah, because she, in the book, like, she actually almost fell over. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about when Han Han dies. I'm talking when everybody in the Hosnian system dies. That part. Yeah. Because um, she, she actually felt that. Yeah. And Which... it ahead. sort of makes reference back to um, when Alderaan was destroyed. Yeah. But see, there she really didn't feel it as much as she did here because here it's where she, you're really seeing she is very force sensitive. Yeah. Whereas everybody figured, you know, okay, Luke was the one that got all the force sensitive stuff. She's just a normal girl. I You see it a little bit at when you see a little bit when Han dies, but that can be kind of put into the perspective of this is the man she loved, this was her true love. Mm-hmm. You know, her feeling his death, which I thought they did a better job in the movie than they did in the book because they had Han put his hand on on Kylo's face mm-hmm. before he fell kind of as his way of saying I forgive you for having to having to do this to me Mm -hmm. rather than him grabbing the railing which it had no railing yeah (laughs) I mean seriously I I would hate to see the Sith the empires and the first orders workmen's comp claims. Yeah, because there there should be more railings in those in those ships. There are like endless bottomless pits that just sort of keep going, and I cannot imagine the reports that have to be filled out where it's like. Oh, we lost this many troopers, but we haven't even gone to battle. They just fell over uh, off these walkways. Why didn't we put up a railing? Exactly. I don't know who's designing Starship, but clearly they need a new architect or designer or something. 
Yeah, they, they seriously do because they seriously need to, like, you know, think about safety here because it's like, you know, seriously, the 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 catwalk is only about like two feet wide. I mean, <laughs> if somebody stops suddenly, that's it. It's like lemmings going all over a cliff. Don't fight at me. Come on, Tony Bird. It's time to close your door. Fine, I guess it's not. I mean, I could just see that right now. It's like they're 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 doing their drills. They're running across the thing, and and then somebody stops all of a sudden. It's like the first one bangs into the next one, the next one bangs, and then all of a sudden that would not end. Turns, the first two turn around and go, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, as they see that they are the only two left standing. <laughs> I mean, seriously, no. <laughs> but the best part in both books, that scene between the book and the movie, is the way they have Ray featured. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Maz Kanata is talking about saving somebody. Right. Okay. And who needs saving? Good question. Depends on what you mean by saving. Well, of course, Ray needed to be rescued because she had been captured when they, uh, the First Order basically bombarded that planet. But she, she, but Maz Kanata said she would be the one to save, to save the person. Right. She could have been referring to Kylo. Yeah. She could. She can be referring to Kylo because if you really look at it. You look at it from the point in the movie definitely because that that's more visually you can see it when the doors open and the sun is streaming down and she's on the balcony with Finn. If you think about it, it's kind of like a ray of light and think of her name right. It kind of just goes hand in hand. And when he looks up and sees her with Finn, he is automatically pissed off 15 ways from Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to talk about the the the, the 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 fight in the book because the fight in the book seriously sucked. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that it's a, it's it's a lot better when it's a little more it's, visual. Yeah, and the book he just yells 
stop, whereas in the movie he goes, we're not done yet, mm-hmm. and he's focusing this more towards Ray. And he goes, it's just us now. And this is more, and he is, he is focused on Ray. Completely. And when he throws Ray to knock her out, he, yes, he does it, but if you watch it, he does it in a way that, yeah, she gets hurt, but it's not a permanent injury. It's just to kind of, like, knock her out. Mm-hmm. Because even the impact, when you hear the impact, it's not as hard as you would expect him to throw her. Right. And you would you would have thought you would have heard crunk, crash or crunch or crunch. it's more of a puff. Mm-hmm. So he's still he very much being very gentle with her even though he's throwing her across the, across the planet. Mm-hmm. And then when he yells traitor when Finn runs up to Ray, it's a question of is he calling him a traitor for defecting or a traitor because he's with Ray. Mhm. And that actually is a very big question that's going around. Is it because, you know, he's with Ray or is it because he defected? It's one of those things of like the world may never know. Mhm. <laughs> it could be interpreted several different ways, basically. Oh, yeah. And then when they're fighting, she's, he's, he's taking more of a defensive stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's putting in a couple of offensive shots towards her. But those those shots are more to position her where he wants her to be. Mm-hmm. He's not taking any any swipes at her with the lightsaber to hurt her. But back back actually before they even start battle battle with the lightsaber. When she gets the lightsaber, that's the one part I like in the move, the book, which I wish they would have put the put it in the movie. Mm-hmm. When he's looking at her, kind of like, "Oh my God, you are just like so totally cool right now." <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, come on, look at that look. He's just like in awe because it's like 
dude, you just grabbed my lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he goes, it's you. I really wish they would have put that into the movie. Because obviously they've been, they've, they've had to have had some kind of like daydreams, dreams about each other to where they know each other. Yeah, it seems as though, when, you know, when he said, it's you, it seems as though he's, like, recognizing her from something because he's kind of like, this or, is the girl everybody's been talking about. Well, this is also somebody else, you know. But also, I mean, the way he looks at her, even looking at her up and down, it's like he's seen her before someplace. So, and she's even said it that she's seen him in dreams and in daydreams, in, in, in dreams and in daydreams. Well, because in the book, she sort of refers to him as a nightmare. Well, she may have had some nightmares about him. Yeah. And that might, that, you know, people can say, well, that comes from the force vision. No, it may, she, she refers to seeing him in the force vision as having seen him before. So she has already seen him before these force visions. So they've got oh. some sort of history that I would hope that they're going to elaborate on. Oh, yeah. And there's another scene, actually, more towards the end of the book, that I really wish they would have put this in because this is actually two, actually two scenes, but they're in one scene. I'm just going to break them, break them up. Mm-hmm. Um, the first scene is um, Leia and Ray standing at the foot of the ramp. An uncertain and and uneasy Leia found herself fiddling with the seals on the front of the jacket Ray was wearing. Foolish nonsense, she told herself, even as she continued, unworthy of her status and position, but it felt so right and so natural to be doing so. I'm so proud of what you're about to do, she told the girl. Ray replied, in all serious, but you're also afraid in sending me away, you're reminded. They straighten. You you won't share the the fate of my son. I know what I'm what we're doing is right. This is how it has to be. This is how it should be. Leah smiled gently, reassuringly. I know it too. May the force be with you. Now, I really wish this was in the movie. Because she's kind of fussing over her like she would 
be fussing over her own child, being very scared that, you know, she's sending her off and there's this possibility that she may come back not the way she she wanted her to. Yeah. You know, that things might go the same way a second time. But then you have Leia going, No, you're you're not gonna turn out like my son did. So it's kind of like She's sure that she's going to be okay, but yet she's not sure. And then just the fussing about, you know, with her kind of being a little bit of a mother figure where it would kind of, you know, complete the whole cycle where Hans was like the father figure, Leia's the mother figure. Mm Mm-hmm. That would have been really nice to have seen. Do you you agree or disagree? No, I I agree. I think it would have been nice to see um, a little more of that because in the movie, because he definitely, in the books, I think, in the book, I think my favorite thing is um, a lot of the the interactions that were between um, Han and and Ray when they were on the, the the Millennium Falcon. You know, it was a lot of she knew a whole lot about the ship just because of her scavenging days that she could identify different parts and like just how impressed he was by seeing how capable she was as a pilot. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. He wouldn't offer her a job if he didn't think she would uh, be able to uh, handle it. True. Then the next scene, which... I like this scene a lot better than the scene they actually used in the movie. Uh, Ray gets on to Millennium Falcon. In the cockpit, Ray headed for the co-pilot's seat, only to find her way blocked by a massive Hurstive form. Chewie, the Falcon flies better with two people at the controls. You know that. I've already sat in that seat. I'm ready to do so again. A series of moans come from the Wookiee. Then he turned and sat down in the co-pilot seat. Ray felt herself tearing up. You're serious, aren't you? Chewie groaned, and to make certain she grasped, grasped his meaning, gestured to his right towards the pilot's position. Yeah, 
I actually that was a really big scene. Say that one more time. I said I think that was like a really big scene in the book. I thought so too, and I would rather have seen that in the movie rather than her just jumping into the pilot seat. Yeah, because it's kind of like a, she just assumed she was going to be a co-pilot when Chewie was like, no, this is your ship now. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was sort of a passing of the torch kind of thing. Exactly. And I liked, and I liked how they did it in the book because that, because just because of that. Or rather than in the movie where she just jumps into the pilot seat unless they did record it that way and just cut that scene out. Ability. But I really don't think so because she just kind of came into the cockpit and just jumped into the pilot seat. Yeah. I mean, I would rather have seen Chewie sitting sitting there going, this is now your ship. Mm-hmm. And I am now your co-pilot. Yeah. Hello? And, oh, no, I'm I'm still here. Sorry. I just I got distracted by birds for a minute. In fact, I think it's time I put the bird to bed. But yeah, it was um yeah, it was, I'm here. Can you hear me? Did it cut me off? Did can can you hear me? Are you still there? Yes, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello. Uh, evidently not. Okay. Well, I can hear you, but you clearly can't hear me. Hello? Okay, I'm here. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, yeah, I've been here the whole time. Okay. I don't know what happened. I, I, I was talking. You couldn't hear me. Okay, what did you say? Um, well, I, I said I had to put the bird to bed real quick. But, um, yeah, it, it just, that, that last scene where he essentially hands the ship over to her, it's, it, it, yeah, I kind of liked that more than in the movie where you said she just kind of came in and sat down because it was more like, she didn't assume that it was now, you know, the Falcon was now her ship. She was just going to be a co-pilot. And then Chewie was like, no, this is your ship now. You've earned it. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I mean, unless, I mean, I mean, 
And you can't even say that they even taped it that way because of the way she just came into the cockpit. Yeah, that's true, too. So there is no way that you can say that, oh, well, they probably taped it that way and they just, you know, as they've done with, like, a lot of the scenes, just edited it, they just took it out. No, they did not tape that scene at all. Yeah. Which is kind of sad because that was a really great scene to see him kind of give her the ship kind of like let a new generation have the new ship <laughs> and I'll remain the faithful co-pilot On you. No. No, no, don't stop it. Quick tickle in my feet. Sorry. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry, boyfriend. Uh, tell, tell the boyfriend to stop it before you send Chewie after him. <laughs> to uncar plot him. <laughs> I don't need a walkie ass bird. <laughs> I'm sorry, uncut put him. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll be fine. He's preoccupied with his phone. Okay. But um now just for the the audio book. Okay. Was it me or did it really sound like Harrison Ford, the actual person who does the Wookiee sounds, the actual actor who does C-3PO, and the actual correct droid sounds for C3P for 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 R2D2 and BB8. Yeah, it actually kind of did. Okay, I thought maybe I was just like losing it. <laughs> no, I mean, I when I I do remember when I was listening to the book um and the inter- the first time that they started talking about uh, C-3PO, and he's like, you know, the first scene he's in, m- my immediate reaction was, oh, my gosh, it's, it's 3PO. It's so good to hear his voice. And it sounded a lot like him. I mean, if it was an impression, it was a darn good impression. I know. I mean, it was like spot on impression of him, Harrison Ford, because I mean it's like I was looking at this thing like I was looking at the audio book like is, is there like something on here that they're not saying Harrison Ford was in this too? Yeah, I I would not 
I would not be surprised if they had had him voice his part. Had um oh god, what's his name? The original oh. guy who played the original Chewie. Ah, uh, I could not remember his name. But that definitely sounds like him also. And another another fact that some people might not know, two people actually played Chewie, Chewbacca, in The Force Awakens and also in The Last Jedi. Oh, it was two different people? It was the original person who played Chewbacca. But the only scenes he could play were the scenes where he was sitting down. Oh, okay. Because he had been in an accident. He would broken, I think he would broken his back or something. Uh-huh. And needed a cane to walk. Oh. Okay. So they only had him for just the sitting down stuff. Yeah, so he was only in there for the sitting down down stuff. And Oh, let's see. Peter Mayhew. Oh, okay. So he's, did he play the Peter Mayhew, he played all of the sitting down parts. Okay. And he basically shared the role with um, Jonas Toma, Uh who did all of the walking parts. And any any of the times that he, he, like, stood up. Yeah, he played. And he actually played Chewbacca in um, Return of the Sith. I'm sorry, The Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. Cool. Um. The solo movie, he's probably going to be a Chewbacca consultant, probably for Jonas. I would hope so. Because you got to figure it's going to be a younger, younger, younger uh, Chewbacca, so he's going to need to be able to move a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he did move a little bit slower during uh, The Force Awakens. But, okay, so now the part that I said that, yes, I am kind of spoiling for The Last Jedi, but I am technically not Uh spoiling it for you. Let's see, where is it? Yep. Uh, cheers and spontaneous embraces filled the room with so much joy that no one paid attention to who was hugging what representative of whichever species. Ray and Poe were not excluded, though their sudden quench of shared excitement had led to a moment of mutual awkwardness. Uh, Hi, the pilot mumbled. I'm Poe. She nodded slowly, searching his face and finding that she liked it. I recognize the name. So you're Poe, Poe Dameron, the X-Wing pilot. I'm Ray. I know. He smiled back a little more at ease. Nice to meet you. They actually have that at the end, towards the end of The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Because I don't think they actually ever talked to each other in... Um... In the movie version of Force Awakens, did they? No, they didn't. And I was kind of like really surprised when I saw that part in the in the in the Last Jedi, because it's like, seriously, you two were on the same planet together. How could you have not met each other? Yeah. And then I heard the audio book, and then it's like, okay, they figured out that, oh, crap, we forgot to introduce Poe and Ray in the last movie. So um, where's that part in the book? (laughs) And just literally pulled that right out of the book. Yeah. So I guess they just kind of plopped that in at the end of the the second movie. Yeah. Because you would think that, you know, some point, you know, they would have ran into each other. Even when Ray went to go visit Finn in intensive care. I mean, this is Finn's buddy. You're telling me that that this is Poe's buddy that's in intensive care. You're going to tell me that he ain't going to go in there and check up on him? Exactly. But I do like 
the difference in how Finn got hurt. Yeah, they actually did sort of describe it. Actually, no, they did two, they did two different, completely different versions. Mm-hmm. In the in the movie, the only part of his chest that got burned was his shoulder by the the one of the two bolts that bolts out of the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And he gets his back gets sliced up. Oh, after, after, um, basically after uh, Kylo gets physical with him and punches him. Uh-huh. And turns him around and just like, you know, I mean, talk about backstabbing. <laughs> That's like backstabbing to the extreme. Uh, yeah, I was taking it really literal. Yeah. That's why I completely think his whole traitor thing was because he thinks that Ray and Finn are an item. Yeah. And I seriously see that. And him doing that. But in the book, he he actually came completely in the chest area. So I do like how they kind of ended their fight scene differently. Mm-hmm. So it gives you two points of view of how how Ren Ren could have you know, hurt. Um, But that brings us to the end of this week. And, you know, I was so engaged, I only ate one treat. Oh, that's true. You only ate one thing. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six other things to... Try and by next week I'll have my next box. Maybe. I'm unsure. Hopefully I won't. But what I will have by next week is I will have the Valentine's Day ponies from the Pony Project. Oh. Yes, they are arriving tomorrow. If Clipper would have put them in the mail one day sooner, I would have gotten them already. (laughs) Yeah. Well, also, if today hadn't been President's Day, you probably would have gotten them already. That, too. So I will have them by next week. So I think next week, I think it's totally going to be the Valentine's Day 
ponies from the from the pony project. Oh yeah. Well, we got to talk about those guys. Because I got the I think I got the big pack. Oh, you got one of the the mega packs? Yeah. So those will be arriving tomorrow. So I think that's all we're going to cover next week because, I mean, come on. I mean, seriously, how long? Opening up a box from Clipper is an entire episode in itself. Yep. I mean, literally, I put in the I put in the order, and he had the thing printed up the next day. Mm-hmm. Well, he probably had that box set aside for you, and was like, I know as, as soon as Amy finds out about this, she's gonna order one, and I know which one she's gonna order. Yep. As I said, he he he's my pony dealer. Uh-huh. He's my enabler. Very much so. Can we blame him? Oh, and also, I did want to announce they have announced the Ohio Pony Meet. It will actually be in the South this time. Mhm. And it will not be in the middle of corn, corn, and corn. Oh, they picked somewhere other than a cornfield to have it. Yes. <laughs> I had to once. Once I once I saw that, I had to put it up there. I said, "Is it going to be someplace other than the middle of corn, corn, and corn?" Mhm. <laughs> and at least they took it. They took the joke as the joke I was intending it to be because, I mean, everybody was freaking out when they got there, and they're like, "I have no bars. I have no internet." <laughs> And you literally had to go outside in the back of the back of the place to this little circle I made to get the internet. <laughs> Amy's little tiny circle of civilization. That was basically what it was called. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, I don't think I'll. I probably won't be able to make it to that. Due to paying for the book, paying on the book, right? So, turn around. Yeah, I'm not going. Well, hopefully, I'll be able to make it to the fair this year. Um, we're going to see next week after bills get paid. 
if if you do um you know I'm gonna be like, you know, you're gonna have to be like text messaging me like things and prices and all that, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll make sure the phone is fully charged. <laughs> I'll let you know what I see and if there's anything really good and... Okay, good. That way I can get my exclusive. <laughs> so, but until next week, um... I guess happy Pony Night Nights. Mm, good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, the button isn't working. This says, Kimono, and you have listened to Pony Talk. See you next week. Bye-bye. Is that it? Are we alone? Ah. Oh. Until next week, may the pony force be with you. Good night. <laughs>